Hey listeners, it's Thursday. That means it's time for another training topic from PursueGod.org. PursueGod is a resource library that helps you to make disciples at home, at church, in your community. You can find today's topic with discussion questions to go along with it at PursueGod.org forward slash training. Today, we are finally going to wrap up our Pursuit training edition series. What we've been doing over the last four weeks is covering the pursuit, which is the flagship disciple-making series at PursueGod.org. You can find it at PursueGod.org forward slash go. We've been covering that 12-week series in four weeks, so we've been splitting it up into the four different modules. The first module was an introduction to who God is and his heart for people, The second module was all about the first arrow in a pursuit of God, which is helping someone trust Jesus for salvation. The third module is helping someone to honor God now that they're a Christian. And then today, the final module gets to the final arrow in the full circle picture. So again, if if you haven't seen the picture, close your eyes, picture a recycle circle. That's essentially what it is. Three arrows. The first arrow is trusting Jesus. The second arrow is honoring God. And the third arrow, this is the one that we're going to cover today. The third arrow is what most people never get to. Most Christians never get to this last thing. And this really is what PursueGod.org is all about. It's about helping people to become disciple makers. Okay, so this this the last three lessons in the pursuit, lessons 10, 11, 12, that's what we're going to cover today. I'll walk through the talking points. I'll walk through some of the discussion questions. I'll get you ready to uh, disciple somebody, really. I'll get you ready to help somebody to disciple somebody else. So let me see. Let me try to not confuse you here. But what we're talking about today, this these last three lessons in the pursuit, is all about helping someone become a disciple maker. And that's what Lesson 10 is all about. Lesson 10 is titled, Why Make Disciples? Why do we include this last arrow in the circle? Did Jesus really envision disciple makers out of all of us? Or did he just want like the professionals, the pastors, the leaders, the seminary trained? Did he just want those people to make disciples? That's what we cover in lesson number 10. And and here's really the basic talking points for lesson 10. So the goal for lesson 10 is imagine discipling someone, you've led them to faith, they're learning some spiritual disciplines, and now you're going to tell them that they should go out there and start doing what, what they just did with you, is that they should now start discipling someone else. That might be a tough sell for some people, not just for new believers. In fact, probably a new believer is going to have a harder, uh, not as hard of a time with it as a longtime Christian who has never made a disciple before. So really, this lesson is for everybody, but especially for the person who's been a Christian their whole life, but they've never made disciples. And so you have to convince them, why should they make disciples? Reason number one. We do it because Jesus said so. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is, of course, the Great Commission. That's where Jesus comes and he tells his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus told his 12 followers, well, there were only 11 at this point because Judas was gone, but he told these 11, go make disciples. 
And that wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. He told them, you need to make disciples. So first of all, let me just talk to you, oh, potential disciple maker who's listening to this very podcast. I think the first thing you need to understand is Jesus is talking to you. So hopefully in the weeks ahead, you'll go out now that you're going to be finishing up this this uh, training series, this training edition of The Pursuit, hopefully you're going to go out and make disciples. Hopefully you're going to go out and and bring someone through The Pursuit. That's what this whole exercise has been about. But not only that, not only are you going to have to go out and disciple someone, but what it also means is that you're going to get to this very point with someone else. Ten weeks into The Pursuit, you're going to be doing topic 10 with somebody that you've just discipled, And you're going to be convincing them that they need to go make disciples. Okay, so we're doing two things at once in this episode. I'm speaking to you as a disciple maker, but I'm also modeling for you how you're going to have to speak to someone else down the road because Jesus wants us to pass this along. Jesus wants everyone to go make disciples. In fact, he doesn't just want everyone to go make disciples. He wants everyone to go make disciple makers. Wait a second, wait, wait, I'm going to add something else to that. He wants everyone to go make disciple maker makers. You see how we can just keep going with this? Like, the point is that this is supposed to be generational. This is, this is the commission. He said, I've, I've got all the authority, I'm in charge, and so you guys need to go make disciples. And the disciples 2,000 years ago obeyed, but most Christians today don't. For most Christians today, their picture of Christianity is, okay, now I'm a Christian, maybe I got baptized, maybe I start reading my Bible, I pray, those kinds of things. I go to church once a week, maybe I even tithe, but that's it. Nope, nope, that's not it. Jesus wants you to make disciples. Okay, so first I'm telling you that right now, that's right, I'm talking to you, the person who's listening to this. Jesus wants you to make disciples, and then Just be ready because you're going to be bringing this very same message to the person that you disciple, Lord willing, someday. So reason number one is the commission. Jesus told us to. He commissioned us. Co-mission means we're supposed to be on mission with him. Co-mission. He's been on mission. Now we should be on mission and we all should. That's the first reason. The first reason is the commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. The second reason is more strategic. Jesus envisioned a church where pastors equip and people do the ministry, and we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says this, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So think about it. He's basically saying, let's kind of boil this down to the paid staff of the church. The paid staff of the church is, is God's gift to the church. That's awesome. But here's their job. Here's their job description. Here's their responsibility. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I want to read that again, and I want you to ask this question. Does this describe the church that you go to? The responsibility of the paid staff, or the leadership at least, the responsibility of the leadership is to equip God's people to do the work. Is that how it works at your church? Most churches don't work like that. In most churches, the paid staff are paid to do all the work. Isn't that true? Isn't that how it usually works? The paid staff 
does the work of the ministry, the paid staff does the preaching, the paid staff does the disciple-making, the paid staff does all of the leading, and the people come and pay them to feed the people. That's not God's idea. That's like an Americanized version, not just American, that's like European. I mean, that's really kind of the direction that the church took after the Reformation. So it's been over 500 years now that we've been doing church really the wrong way, sending people to seminary to train them up so they can come back and we can pay them to do all the ministry. Guys, that's not what Paul is prescribing in Ephesians 4. Paul is saying that the responsibility of the leadership of the church is to equip God's people to do the work. And what's the work? The work of the ministry, you can find it right, right there just a little bit later in Ephesians 4, the work of the ministry is to speak the truth in love. The, you know, the way we say it at, at uh, PursueGod.org, the work of the ministry is to disciple someone, is to mentor someone, because that's what mentoring is, the bottom, bottom line. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but mentoring is speaking truth in love to somebody else, right? So that's the strategy. The strategy is that Jesus wants everyone to be deployed. Everyone, I mean, next time you're at church, look around at your church and look at all the people who come to your church and think about this. God wants to deploy all of those people. He wants those people every one of those people to be actively engaged in a discipling relationship. Here's another way to say that. He wants everyone at your church to be bringing someone through the pursuit or something like that, right? I mean, the pursuit isn't magical. It's just one tool. But he wants everyone in your church to be engaged with someone discipling them. How powerful would that be if your church looked like this, what Ephesians 4 is saying? Here's what would happen Verse 16 in Ephesians 4, it says, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the picture. That's the payoff. When everyone is doing their job, when everyone is involved, when, when every part, not just the pastors and the paid staff, when, not just those people doing their part, but when everyone's doing their part, when everyone is empowered, when everyone is mobilized, what happens is the church grows. Our job, pastors, leaders, our job isn't to grow the church. God's job is to grow the church. Our job is to make disciples. Steve Morell says this in, in his great book, Accidental Missionary, or actually I think the new title for the book is Wiki Church. And, and he did this in the Philippines years ago. But he says this, hey, we, we make disciples, God builds, builds the church. Quit trying to build the church. Let's just do our job and see what will naturally happen as we do our job, as we make disciples, as everyone gets involved and makes disciples. That's the strategy of Ephesians 4. Then the church will just naturally grow and it'd be, it'll be healthy growth. It'll be good growth. It won't be like, you know, um, transfer growth from the next church because you've got a better preacher all of a sudden at your church. Okay, so we've talked about the commission. We've talked about the strategy. And really, the next thing is the, the need. This is the last, the final reason that everyone should go full circle and start making disciples is because there's a need out there. We see this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 
36 to 38. This is right after Jesus preaches this powerful message to the crowds. It says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, hold on a second. He had literally had just preached to them. He had literally just preached to them and still they're confused and helpless. How in the world, how in the world are the people confused after hearing the greatest preacher in the world, Jesus, the greatest preacher in the world just preached a message to them and they're still confused and helpless? Why? Here's why. It says it right there in the verse, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They didn't just need a preacher. They also needed a shepherd. And so Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus wants you to be a worker in the field because sermons aren't enough. Next time you're at church, pay attention to some of the people around you when the preacher is preaching, and you'll see different responses. Some people might be getting emotional. Some people might be checking out. But I think what you'll notice is every one of those people needs more than just a sermon for 30 minutes once a week. Those people need shepherds. Those people need someone to walk with them, to help them to follow Jesus, to help them to make sense of what the preacher's preaching or what they're reading in their Bible. And so this doesn't mean we should stop preaching in our churches. This just means that preaching's just part of it, that the real need is shepherds or disciple makers. And that's why Jesus sent his disciples out into the harvest fields in chapter 10, right after he says all this stuff, after he tells them to pray for workers, he says, hey, guess what, guys, you're, gonna, you're the answer to the prayer. And then he sends them two by two into the world to go make disciples. So that's what lesson 10 is all about. It's Well, first of all, it's for you to hear that and recognize you really do need to go start discipling people. And that's what the pursuit is all about. It's a tool to help you to do that. It gives you the, it gives you the resources to make it a little bit easier for you to do that. Because for a lot of people, and you might be one of these people, but the person you disciple in a few weeks might be another person like this. A lot of people don't feel like they're mature enough to do it. A lot of people say, well, wait a second, I don't think I'm qualified. You Wait, you mean just because I've spent 12 weeks going through the pursuit with you that that qualifies me to make disciples? And, and the answer that I have to that is, yes, that does qualify you. Unless, unless you have like some deep, unrepentant sin in your life. Now, if you do, or if the person you're discipling has deep, unrepentant sin, then maybe they need a little bit of time to spend with Jesus and to be repentant. And, and you know, that's kind of a... Uh, you know, honoring God issue that they still need to deal with. But if if they've trusted Jesus for salvation, arrow one, if they're honoring God in their life, they don't have to be perfect because no one will ever be perfect, then yes, you can go make disciples. You're mature enough to make disciples. In fact, here, here's, a, here's an insight maybe you didn't think about. You will never mature until you start making disciples. So if you're waiting to be mature enough to make disciples, it's never going to happen because the very act of discipling someone is the thing that's going to grow you up. I mean, isn't that true? If if any of you are out there and you've had kids, you were, there's no way you were ready for kids. When you had kids, you just kind of had to 
go for it. You had to jump in and you kind of learned as you went. You matured as you went. You grew as you went. Nobody has kids when they're 100% ready to have kids. You never will. And the same thing is true for spiritual children. You're not going to be mature enough (laughs) until you start making disciples. In fact, go back to Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says this, I encourage you to read that whole passage again, but basically Paul is saying is, look, when you when we start functioning like this in the church, when when the leaders start deploying average people, which by the way is what Jesus did, he deployed fishermen and tax collectors, average people. So when the leaders in the church start deploying average people, here's what's going to happen, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. What is that saying? It's saying, when we get in the game, then we won't be immature anymore. When we get in the game, then we'll grow up. Then we'll start to understand the truth. When we start teaching it, when we start walking with someone in the truth, that's when not just are they going to start growing up, that's when we're going to start growing up. Now, some of the discussion questions in topic 10 are really good. They're really simple, but they're really good. Like question one, share about a person who's encouraged you in your pursuit of God. What, what did they do that was so impactful? That's a great question. Because what you're doing when you're discipling someone through this is you're trying to help them to understand that probably it was a regular person who helped them. Now, maybe for some people, they'll say it's a pastor, but I bet you for most people, it's just a regular person who essentially discipled them, maybe not with, with tools or anything, maybe not so systematically as we're suggesting here at PursueGod.org, but still, it was probably just a regular person. That's question one. Question two, read Matthew 4.19, where Jesus picks regular people. He, call, he says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And the question is, why do you think Jesus picked fishermen instead of Pharisees? Which group of people do you most relate to? So do you see what we're trying to do with these questions is we're trying to set you up to help convince the person you're discipling that they can do this because they're going to need a cheerleader in you. They're going to need you to encourage them. They're going to need you to believe in them. We'll talk more in just a little bit about some of the other roles you're going to play as you help someone go full circle and become a disciple maker. All right, so topic 10 is why make disciples. And then the next topic, topic 11, and by the way, topics 11 and 12 are not included in the booklet. So the pursuit booklet, if you use those at your church, the pursuit booklet only has lessons one through 10 in it. So in order to finish 11 and 12, the the last two training modules, they'll have to go to the website to do it, which is good because we want to make sure they get introduced to the website if they haven't already. But topic 11 is how it works. So topic 10 is why should, why should I do it? And topic 11 is how to do it, how to make disciples using the Pursue God strategy. And, and this is where we introduce really for the first time the, what we call the three E's, the three-step strategy for conversational disciple making. And here's, here are the three E's. Number one, you engage someone. Number two, you establish them in the faith. And number three, you empower them to become a disciple maker. So engage, establish, and empower. So let's talk about that first step. When you engage someone, here's what you're asking yourself. You say, what kinds of conversations does that person want to have? Is there a topic that they'd like to talk about? 
Because disciple making starts with putting yourself in the shoes of someone else. You say, where do they need help? You ask yourself, how can I add value to their life? See, a lot of Christians make this mistake of getting too spiritual too quickly. And so they, if you jump straight to a spiritual conversation with the person, now maybe that person's ready for that, but a lot of people aren't ready for that. So, so don't go too quickly to the spiritual topics. There are so many other marriage and parenting and life topics and emotions and relationships. There's just tons of topics at PursueGod.org that you can cover before you cover maybe some of the harder-hitting spiritual or faith-based topics. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2.14, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So to engage someone means you're building a relationship with them, you're building a bridge, you're maybe even sharing some topics from PursueGod.org, and I would say be prayerful about some of the topics that maybe might land for somebody else. Use some of the topics that are just more relational topics. You know, what I do a lot of times to try to engage men in my life is I cover some of the men's topics. I go to the men's page, some of the fatherhood topics. So to engage someone means to just build a relationship with them, start praying for them just on your own time, and ask God for an opening to get to the next step. And the next step, which is to establish them in the faith, is when you introduce the pursuit to them. So you don't actually start with the pursuit, even though this whole training series has been about training you up on the pursuit, but using the pursuit only comes in when you're ready to establish them in the faith, when you feel like they're ready to talk about Jesus, when you, when you think that they're at a place where they want to explore what it means to be a Christian. Now, a couple things about this. First of all, if we're talking about someone that's not a Christian, then again, you're, you're inviting them to learn what it means to be a Christian. But you know, you can also establish someone in the faith who might already be a Christian. You don't have to just disciple someone who has never been to church before, although that would be awesome when you can get to that. You can actually disciple someone who might be a baby Christian, or maybe they're not, you're not exactly sure if they've ever been baptized, or you're not sure if they have spiritual disciplines in their life, or you're not sure if anyone's ever invested in them before. So really establishing someone in the faith, bringing them through the pursuit also works for people who already go to your church. They've just never been connected to anybody, which means, think about it in terms of the circle. Number one, maybe they don't, they haven't trusted Jesus for salvation. Don't assume that they have just because they go to your church. Or number two, maybe they're struggling in their life with some secret sin, but nobody knows about it because nobody's walking with them. Nobody's discipling them. So they really could use some help in honoring God, which is the second arrow in the circle. Or number three, and this probably is true for most people at your church, let's say that they have those two first two arrows of the circle well in hand, but they've never discipled anyone before. So that's another reason to establish them in the full circle Christian faith. So really establishing someone in the faith isn't just for non-believers, it's also for believers in your church. In fact, that might be the easiest place to start when you're done with this training series is to start by discipling someone in your church who already might be a Christian, bring them through the pursuit anyway, and help them to become a disciple maker.
Now, we have this great little image in Topic 11 online and also in the booklet, and it's the picture and the process of disciple-making. The picture is what is a disciple, and that is, again, that circle, someone who trusts Jesus, honors God, and makes disciples. That's the picture that we're shooting for. And the process for getting there, in other words, how to make disciples, is to engage, establish, and empower. You engage them by covering topics with them and building a relationship. You establish them in the faith by completing the pursuit, all 12 lessons of the pursuit. And then finally, that leads to the last thing, the last part of the process, which is to empower them to be a disciple maker. Now, here's how you're empowering them. First of all, you're taking them through lessons 10, 11, and 12 in the pursuit, which is the training part of the pursuit. So that's part one of empowering them, right? You're going through these very lessons that we're talking about today. But the second thing you need to recognize, and it took us a while in our ministry to understand this for ourselves, is they're probably going to need your help. Most people are intimidated by the thought of becoming a mentor and discipling someone. Most people don't feel qualified. Most people will get cold feet, and they'll finish the pursuit with you, and they'll never go out and disciple someone. So not only are you going to have to convince them that they're qualified, but you'll probably Maybe even more importantly, you're going to have to help them get connected to someone else who needs a mentor. Now, this is where the local church can come in. If if you're a part of a church that uses the Pursue God resources, you use the pursuit, you're familiar with all these resources, then I would encourage you to ask a pastor to, to help you to get the person that you're going to disciple connected to someone who needs a mentor because the pastor or some of the pastors in your church are probably going to be the most aware of the needs in the church in terms of people who are coming to faith or people who need someone to walk with them. And so, you know, a good, healthy church that knows how to make disciples knows how to hand off mentors or mentees to mentors, people who need a mentor to someone who's qualified, who's gone through this training series, and who's ready to walk with someone and disciple somebody through the pursuit. Now, if you go to a church that doesn't use PursueGod.org, you might be kind of on your own with this. You might have to do this by yourself. You might have to look in the church. You might have to, you might have to really help the person that you're mentoring Uh, to really think about who they can begin to engage and establish in the faith. But that's step number three, is to empower them, which means you might have to help get them connected to someone that they can mentor. Now, 2 Timothy 2.2 is a great verse to be aware of when you're thinking about disciple-making. This is where Paul says to Timothy, he says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And that is a great picture of generational discipleship. I I see five generations in that passage. Paul starts with Paul. You heard me teach things. So Paul is generation one. Timothy is generation two. They've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses, so that's generation zero, even before Paul. And then Paul says, you te- Timothy, you teach these to other trustworthy people. That's generation, what are we on? Three. <laughs> Who will be able to pass them on to others. That's genu- generation four. So really, zero to four, so that's five generations. That's crazy. And this is what Paul had in mind. This is what Jesus had in mind all along. 
that in our churches, that followers of Jesus would not be content to sit there and listen to sermons and go to church week by week by week, but they would actually get involved. They would engage people. They would establish them in the faith, and then they would empower those people to go do the very same thing. That is how we make full circle followers of Jesus in the church. Now, let me just point out a couple of discussion questions that are at the bottom of this particular lesson. One of them is, engage, establish, empower, which one seems most difficult to you? Explain. That's a great question to get people to think about the pathway, right? I think actually empowering is is the hardest. I think it's the hardest to, because engaging someone is building relationship. Establishing is bringing them through the pursuit. That's pretty well-defined. Empowering someone is a little bit tougher because that's where, again, as a disciple maker, you're helping find someone for you, your, your mentee to disciple. So that one's, I think, the trickiest one. In my experience, that one's the hardest one. Another question that's really good here is, it says, make a list of a few people who might be interested in going through a discipleship track with you. Begin praying for those people. That's a great question to go through. Actually, with your mentee, have them write down some names, and maybe you can even add some names of people at church or in your small group who, who maybe would be a good match for the person that you just discipled. Okay, so we've covered the why in topic 10. We've covered the how in topic 11. And then topic 12, the final topic in the pursuit is just called Disciple Maker Essentials. And so these are just five really important essentials to keep in mind as that person that you're discipling is getting ready to become a disciple maker himself or herself. So here are the five disciple maker essentials. Number one, commit to a real relationship. Discipleship is relationship. Remember, it's relationship. It's not just about information. It's not about passing information on to the next person, although that's a big part of it because you're, you're speaking truth, but you're doing it in love. So discipleship is a real relationship. So none of this matters if you don't care about the person you're mentoring. Commit to pray for them. Commit to encourage them. Commit to do life with them. Commit to be a part of their life, right? Jesus said this, John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, no, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Look at that relational language. Jesus discipled his 12 for three years, and then he left, and he said, you guys need to do it now. And that's a good picture of discipleship. Discipleship is this relationship that has an end in mind. You know, your, your goal, this is really good to think about, your goal isn't to just do life for the rest of your life with this person, because that's not what Jesus did. Your goal is to have a real relationship with them, but to have a goal in mind. What's the goal? Is to help them to be a full circle follower of Jesus. It's to help them to trust Jesus, honor God, and make disciples. I mean, that's really what Jesus' goal was with his disciples. That doesn't take away from the relationship just because he had a purpose in mind. So it's a, rela- it's a real relationship, but it has a purpose in mind. It has a goal in mind. Don't get so focused on the purpose that you miss the relationship. So that's the first thing. Number two, share the right truth at the right time, right? So that means you need to pay attention to the kinds of topics that this other person needs to talk about. Don't cram your favorite conversations down their throats. That's something that I think a lot of people do is you do all the talking and you're just cramming all this information 
down someone's throat. Don't do that. Share the right truth at the right time. I love, I love again, what 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truth from God's spirit. They sound foolish to them. So sometimes you just need to choose topics that you're not as excited about, but you know are going to land for the other person. Luke 12, 12, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. That's such a great encouragement to us because I'm sure the disciples were going out saying, are you sure? Are you sure you got the right people? Are you sure that we're we're going to be the, the voice piece of God? Are you sure that we can teach like you can? We don't seem that qualified. And he just said, that's all right. The Holy Spirit's going to going to teach you what you what you need to say. So so really try to be connected to the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's going to be a faith journey for you as you disciple someone and be ready to share the right truth at the right time. Okay, that's number two. Number three, and I really love this one. Just do your part, not God's. You can't make someone else pursue God. You can only help them. You can't make them. You can help them. You have to do your part. They have to do their part. God has to do his part. Your job is to walk alongside them and just keep showing up even when they don't. Because there are going to be times probably when the person that you're mentoring is going to stiff you. They're going to ghost you. They're not going to show up. Don't take it personally. It happened to Jesus. It happens to me. It's happened to just about everyone that I've trained up to disciple. It's going to happen. It's not about you. It's about them. You just keep showing up. Keep walking alongside them. It was such a great picture of the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, Philip goes out in Acts chapter 8, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. What a great picture of disciple making. Walk along beside the carriage. You know, he sees the eunuch in the carriage reading from the Old Testament scroll of Isaiah. And he said, what are you reading there, buddy? (laughs) You know, I mean, really, that's kind of what he did. He said, can I help you? Can I help you understand that? He, he, He kind of met the eunuch where he was, and he and he eventually explained Jesus from that starting point. How did he do that? Because he walked alongside the chariot. So for you, that's a great picture. Walk alongside that person and do your part. That's number three. Now, number four, and this should be obvious by now, but I, I want to make sure to say this, point it all to Jesus. You know, you're not just helping someone become a better person. You're helping them meet Jesus. In fact, if you if you're finishing up this training edition of the podcast of the of this pursuit series, and if you're not sure that you really understand who Jesus is, if you're not really sure that you're doing this because you want to point it all to Jesus, then don't disciple someone yet. Make sure you know who Jesus is. You know, this isn't this isn't about helping people become better people. This is, we have a website for that. That's called flextalk.org. That is a secular version of pursuegod.org. There's really no scripture at flextalk.org, so you can use it at work or in, in schools or whatever. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to help people become moral human beings. We're helping them trust Jesus for salvation. That's why arrow one is to trust Jesus. Arrow two is to honor God. You can't honor God without trusting Jesus. I mean, really. You have to trust Jesus first. Jesus changes us from the inside out. So point people to Jesus. Help them to meet Jesus. Listen for how much they talk about Jesus as you're discipling them. If you get to lesson 10, 11, 12 in the pursuit, and they're still not talking about Jesus, you need to cover more topics about Jesus with them. Because again, this isn't moralistic. This isn't something that we could do at a synagogue. 
or at a Mormon ward or at a public library. This is a Christ-centered journey. This is a journey to help people find Jesus, the God of the Bible. And so point it all to Jesus in your disciple-making. And disciple-maker essential number five is really simple. It's just pray, pray, pray. Keep a prayer journal. And if you, if you don't have one yet, start one now. Keep a prayer journal. Make a habit of praying for the people that you're mentoring. And even let them know that you're doing it. Let them know that you're praying for them. You know, I do this. I just keep it right on my phone. I just use a task app on my phone. And I keep a prayer journal for everyone that I meet with because otherwise I'll forget what topics we're covering, what we've talked about. And I look at that throughout the week. That is part of how I pray during the week. That's part of my spiritual discipline of prayer is to pray for the person that I'm discipling because I know it's not all about me. I know that that the Holy Spirit needs to do what only he can do in their lives. And so I want to pray for that. I want to pray for a sensitivity to where they are. I want to pray for awareness. I want to pray for insight. I want to pray for something more than what I even can bring to the table because of my own giftings or my own training or my own knowledge. I want to make sure that I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit for what's going on here. And so pray, pray, pray. So there they are, the five disciple-maker essentials. Commit to a real relationship. Share the right truth at the right time. Just do your part, not God's. Point it all to Jesus. And pray, pray, pray. Just keep praying. And and I want to just finish up this training episode of The Pursuit. So, you know, we you've gone through this now in in fast track fashion, which means you've done in four weeks what you'll probably do with somebody else in 12 weeks. And I, I want to just encourage you, really do that last thing. Even now, just begin praying. Say, God, open my eyes to the person in my world who needs a helper, a shepherd. Help me to have the compassion for the lost and confused like you had in Matthew chapter 9. Open the door to relationships that can be life-giving. You know, at church, in my community, maybe at work. And I want to encourage you to really trust that God is going to lead you to someone that you can disciple because he wants it even more than you do. You know, this is his idea in the first place. The, the, The whole idea behind the pursuit is we went to the Bible and we said, what is Jesus trying to form in us? Like, what does he want from his followers? What is he going for? How do we boil it down? And, you know, we studied and prayed for months as a team. And at the end of the day, we came up with the circle. We said, here's what he wants, three basic things. He wants us to trust Jesus, number one. Number two, he wants us to honor God with our life and our lifestyle. And number three, he wants us, every one of us, he wants us to make disciples. So God wants this for you even more than you want it for you. So pray about that. Say, God, align my heart with your heart. You know, like Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. God, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I, I want you to have your way. You know what his will is for us? His will is that we would make disciples. And so if you would pray, begin praying about it, he will begin to align your heart with his mission and he'll open the door 
and you'll be able to help somebody in your life to pursue God. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we wanna make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.